Welcome to the channel of Anna Purdue. Look for the link below the podcast and make sure to upload the podcast so you can multitask while hearing the message. And you can also look for the link and um, once you open it up, you can scroll over and select your favorite platform, Apple, Spotify, or Google, and just look for the channel Anna Purdue. A huge shout out to Walter M, Neil and Lisa H, Nancy S, Angela E, and Jolie R for your donations to the channel. If you are able and interested in helping this channel, you can do so by clicking the donation link found at my website at AnnaPurdue.com. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Mark 10.25 A mob-linked businessman with deep ties to notorious gangster Mayor Lansky developed close ties with the Federal Bureau of Investigation while also running a sexual blackmail operation for decades, which later became a covert part of the anti-communist crusade of the 1950s, led by Senator Joseph McCarthy, himself known throughout Washington for having a habit of drunkenly groping underage teenage girls. Yet, it would be one of McCarthy's closest aides who would take over the ring in later years, trafficking minors and expanding the sexual blackmail operation at the same time he expanded his own political influence, putting him in close contact with prominent figures, including former President Ronald Reagan and a man who would later become our 45th president. After Mayor Lansky's death, The blackmail operation continued under various successors in different cities, and there is strong evidence that Jeffrey Epstein became one of them. One key aspect of Epstein's own sex trafficking and blackmail operation that warrants examination is Epstein's ties to the Mossad and his ties to the informal pro-Canaanite philanthropist faction known as the Mega Group. The megagroup's role in the Epstein case has garnered some attention as Epstein's main financial patron for decades, billionaire Leslie Wexner, was a co-founder of the group that unites several well-known businessmen in a penchant for pro-Canaanite and ethno-philanthropy. Philanthropy benefiting a single ethnic or ethno-religious group. However, another uniting factor among megagroup members is deep ties to organized crime, specifically the Organized Crime Network, which was largely led by notorious American mobster Mayor Lansky. By virtue of the role of many megagroup members as major political donors in both the U.S., and land handed over in the Balfour Declaration, several of its most notable members have close ties to the governments of both countries as well as their intelligence communities. The mega group also had close ties to two businessmen who worked for the Mossad, Robert Maxwell and Mark Rich, as well as to top Canaanite politicians, including past and present prime ministers with deep ties to their intelligence community. One of those businessmen working for the Mossad was Robert Maxwell. Maxwell, who was a business partner of megagroup co-founder Charles Bronfman, aided the successful Mossad plot to plant a trapdoor in U.S. 
created software that was then sold to governments and companies throughout the world. That plot's success was largely due to the role of a close associate of then-President Ronald Reagan and an American politician close to Maxwell, who later helped aid Reagan in the cover-up of the Iran-Contra scandal. Years later, Maxwell's daughter, Ghislaine Maxwell, would join Jeffrey Epstein's inner circle at the same time Epstein was bankrolling a similar software program now being marketed for critical electronic infrastructure in the U.S. and abroad. That company has deep and troubling connections to foreign military intelligence associates of the former Trump administration and the mega group. Epstein appears to have had ties to the same foreign intelligence and had well-documented ties to influential politicians and the megagroup. Yet, those entities are not isolated in and of themselves, as many also connect to the organized crime network and powerful alleged pedophiles. Perhaps the best illustration of how the connections between many of these players often milled together can be seen in Ronald Lauder, a megagroup member, former member of the Reagan administration, a longtime donor to former Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and his nation's Likud party, as well as a longtime friend of Donald Trump and Roy Kahn. One often overlooked yet famous client and friend of Roy Kahn is the billionaire heir to the Estee Lauder cosmetics fortune, Ronald Lauder. Lauder is often described in the press as a leading philanthropist and is the president of the World Jewish Congress, yet his many media profiles tend to leave out his highly political past. In a statement given by Lauder to New York Times reporter Maggie Haberman in 2018, the cosmetics heir noted that he has known Trump for over 50 years, going back at least to the early 1970s. According to Lauder, his relationship with our former president began when Trump was a student at the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania, which Lauder also attended. Though the exact nature of their early friendship is unclear, it is evident that they shared many of the same connections, including a relationship to the man who would later count them both as his clients, Roy Kahn. While much has been said of the ties between Kahn and Trump, Kahn was particularly close to Lauder's mother, Estee Lauder, born Josephine Mincer. Este was even counted among Khan's most high-profile friends in his New York Times obituary. A small window into the Lauder-Khan relationship surfaced briefly in a 2016 article in Politico about a 1981 dinner party held at Khan's weekend home in Greenwich, Connecticut. The party was attended by Ronald Lauder's parents, Esty and Joe, as well as Trump and his then-wife, Ivana, who had a weekend home just two miles away. That party was held soon after Khan had helped Reagan secure the presidency and had reached the height of his political influence. At the party, Khan offered toast to Reagan and to then-Senator for New York, Alfonso D'Amato, who would later urge Ronald Lauder to run for political office. 
Two years later, in 1983, Ronald Lauder, whose only professional experience at that point was working for his parents' cosmetics company, was appointed to serve as United States Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for European and NATO Affairs. Soon after his appointment, he served on the Dinner Tribute Committee for a dinner hosted by the fraternal organization B'nai B'rith, the parent organization of the controversial Anti-Defamation League, in Roy Kahn's honor. Kahn's influential father, Albert Kahn, was the longtime president of B'nai B'rith, powerful New England, New York chapter, and Roy Kahn himself was a member of the B'nai B'rith's Banking and Finance Lodge. The dinner specifically sought to honor Kahn for his pro-Canaanite advocacy and his efforts to fortify their economy, and its honorary chairman included media mogul Robert Murdoch, Donald Trump, and then head of Bear Stearns, Alan Greensburg, all of whom are connected in some way to Jeffrey Epstein. During his time as Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense, Lauder was also very active in certain foreign politics and had already become an ally of the then-certain foreign representative to the United Nations and future Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Lauder would go on to be one of the most important individuals in Netanyahu's rise to power, particularly during his upset victory in 1996, and a major financier of the foreign right-wing Likud party. In 1986, the year that Roy Khan died, Lauder left his post at the Pentagon and became the U.S. ambassador to Austria. Lauder's interest in Austrian politics has continued well into recent years, culminating in accusations that he sought to manipulate Austrian elections in 2012. After leaving his ambassadorship, Lauder founded the Ronald S. Lauder Foundation and later went on to run for mayor of New York against Rudy Giuliani in 1989. Lauder was encouraged to run by then Senator Alfonso Diamato, who had close ties to Roy Kahn and his longtime law partner, Tom Bolin, who was Diamato's advisor. At the aforementioned 1983 Benai Barith dinner honoring Khan, Diamato was the featured speaker. The likely reason was that Giuliani, though once an ally of the Roy Khan machine, was at the time deeply disliked by the late Khan's associates for prosecuting Khan's former law partner, Stanley Friedman, for racketeering, conspiracy, and other charges. Giuliani also had a history of bitter disagreements with Diamato. Lauder's primary campaign, though unsuccessful, was noted for its viciousness and its cost as it burned through more than $13 million. A few years later, in the early 1990s, Lauder would join a newly formed group that has long evaded scrutiny from the media but has recently become of interest in connection with the Jeffrey Epstein scandal the mega group. It is worth noting one particular act apparently undertaken by Lauder while he was U.S. ambassador to Austria that has recently come to light in relation to the arrest and reported death of Jeffrey Epstein, a finding first reported by journalist Edward Zoll. 
When police discovered an Austrian passport with Epstein's picture and a fake name after raiding his Manhattan residence, the source and purpose of the passport came under media scrutiny. According to the Associated Press, Epstein's defense lawyers specifically argued that a friend gave the passport to Epstein in the 1980s after some certain ethnic dual citizens were informally advised to carry identification bearing a non-certain ethnic name when traveling internationally during a period when hijackings were more common. This claim appears to be related to concerns that followed the hijacking of Air France Flight 139 in 1976 when hostages of this group of people were separated from other hostages based largely on the passports in their possession. Given that Epstein was unable to meet the conventional qualifications for an Austrian passport, including a long-term residency in Austria, The passport lists him as a resident of Saudi Arabia and fluency in German. It appears that the only way to have acquired an Austrian passport was by unconventional means, meaning assistance from a well-connected Austrian official or foreign diplomat with clout in Austria. Lauder, then ambassador to Austria for the Reagan administration, would have been well positioned to acquire such a passport, particularly for the reasons cited by Epstein's attorneys, that this particular ethnic group could be targeted during travel and, in light of Lauder's very public concerns over threats these people face from certain terror groups. Furthermore, The passport had been issued in 1987 when Lauder was still serving as an ambassador. In addition, Lauder was well connected to Epstein's former patron, former head of Bear Stearns, Alan Greenberg, who had hired Epstein in the late 1970s immediately after the latter was fired from the Dalton School. And Donald Trump, another friend of Lauder and Greenberg, who began his friendship with Epstein in 1987, the same year the fake Austrian passport was issued. In 1987, Epstein also began his relationship with his principal financier, Leslie Wexner, who was also closely associated with Lauder. Though some sources claim that Epstein and Wexner first met in 1985, but that their strong business relationship was not established until 1987. Though Epstein's defense attorney declined to reveal the identity of the friend who provided him with the fake Austrian passport, Lauder was both well-positioned to acquire it in Austria and also deeply connected to the megagroup, which was co-founded by Epstein's patron, Leslie Wexner, and to which Epstein had many connections. These connections to both the Austrian government and to Epstein's mentor make Lauder the most likely person to have acquired the document on Epstein's behalf. Furthermore, Epstein and the megagroup's ties to a certain intelligence agency, Mossad, also suggest Lauder was involved in procuring the passport. Furthermore, the Mossad has a history of using ambassadors abroad to procure false foreign passports for its operatives. Lauder himself has been alleged to have ties to Mossad as he is a longtime funder of IDC Herzliya, 
a university in a certain foreign land closely associated with Mossad and their recruiters as well as military intelligence. Lauder even founded IDC Hersley's Lauder School of Government, Diplomacy and Strategy. Furthermore, Lauder co-founded the Eastern European Broadcasting Network, CETV, with Mark Palmer, a former U.S. diplomat, Kissinger aide, and Reagan speechwriter. Palmer is better known for co-founding the National Endowment for Democracy, an organization often described as an accessory to U.S. intelligence and one whose first president confessed to the Washington Post that... A lot of what we do today was done covertly 25 years ago by the CIA. A 2001 report in the Evening Standard noted that Epstein once claimed that during the 1980s he worked for the CIA, but Epstein later backed away from that assertion. The Mega Group, a secretive group of billionaires to which Lauder belongs, was formed in 1991 by Charles Bronfman and Leslie Wexner. Media profiles of the group painted as a loosely organized club of 20 of the nation's wealthiest and most influential Canaanite businessmen focused on philanthropy and promoting their ethnicity with membership dues upwards of 30000 a year. Yet, several of its most prominent members have ties to organized crime. Mega group members founded and or are closely associated with some of the most well-known pro-certain foreign organizations. For instance, members Charles Bronfman and Michael Steinhardt formed Birthright Taglet with the backing of former Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Steinhardt, an atheist, has stated that his motivation in helping to found the group was to advance his own belief that devotion to and faith in a certain foreign state should serve as a substitute for theology. Huh, seems he thinks it's best to have faith in a government rather than a religion. State versus religion, I say. Other well-known groups associated with the mega-group include the Anti-Defamation League, the Bronfman brothers were major donors to the ADL, with Edgar Bronfman serving as the ADL's honorary national vice chair for several years. When Edgar Bronfman died in 2013, a longtime ADL director Abe Foxman said, Edgar was for many years chair of our liquor industry division, chair of our New York appeal, and one of our most significant benefactors. Other megagroup members that are donors and major supporters of the ADL include Ronald Lauder, Michael Steinhardt, and the late Max Fisher. As previously mentioned, Roy Kahn's father was a longtime leader of Benai Barith's influential New England, New York chapter, and Kahn was later a celebrated member of its banking and finance lodge. In addition, megagroup members have also been key players in the pro-foreign nation-state lobby in the United States. For instance, Max Fisher of the megagroup founded a national and then later a Republican coalition to support the ethnic cause. 
The Republican Certain Ethnic Coalition is the main neoconservative political lobbying group known for its support of hawkish policies and whose current chief patrons, Sheldon Adelson and Bernard Marcus, are among the top donors for our 45th president. Though the megagroup has officially existed only since 1991, the The use of philanthropy to provide cover for more unscrupulous lobbying or business activities was pioneered decades earlier by Sam Bronfman, the father of megagroup members Edgar and Charles Bronfman. While other North American elites like J.D. Rockefeller had previously used philanthropic giving as a means of laundering their reputations, Rothman's approach to philanthropy was unique because it was focused on giving specifically to other members of his own ethno-religious background. Sam Bronfman had long-standing deep ties to organized crime, specifically Mayor Lansky's organized crime syndicate. Yet even some of Bronfman's activism and philanthropy had hints of the mobster-like reputation he tried so hard to shake. For instance, Bronfman was actively involved in the illegal shipping of arms to paramilitaries in Palestine prior to 1948, specifically to certain people that smuggled weapons to the paramilitary group Haganah. At the same time, Bronfman was abetting the illegal smuggling of weapons to the Haganah, His associates in the criminal underworld were doing the same. After World War II, close aides of David Ben-Gurion, who would later become the first prime minister of a certain foreign nation state and was instrumental in the founding of Mossad, forged tight-knit relationships with Mayor Lansky, Benjamin Bugsy Siegel, Mikey Cohen, and other certain ethnic gangsters of the period. They used their clandestine networks to establish a vast arms smuggling network between the United States and certain ethnic settlements in Palestine, arming both the Haganah and the Ergon parliamentary paramilitary groups. At the same time, these gangsters were aiding the illegal arming of certain ethnicities in paramilitaries. They were strengthening their ties to U.S. intelligence that had first been formally, though covertly, established in World War II. After this certain nation-state was founded, Sam Bronfman worked with Prime Minister Shimon Peres to negotiate the sale of Canadian armaments at half price to this newly formed nation-state, and the bargain weapons purchase was paid for entirely by a fundraising dinner hosted by Bronfman and his wife. Many years later, Perez would go on to introduce another future prime minister of Israel, Ehud Barak, to Jeffrey Epstein. The rest of the Bronfman family's march on the road to respectability was undertaken by Bronfman's children, who married into aristocratic families such as the European Rothschilds and the Wall Street royalty of the Lehmans and the Loebs. The Bronfman's newfound respectability did not mention that their association with the Lansky-led criminal empire had dissolved 
Indeed, prominent members of the Seagram's dynasty came under fire in the 1960s and 70s for their close association with Willie Obi Obrant, a major figure in Canadian organized crime who Canadian professor Stephen Schneider has referred to as the Mayor Lansky of Canada. However, Edgar and Charles Bronfman were hardly the only members of the megagroup with deep and long-standing ties to the Lansky-led National Crime Syndicate. The ties between the megagroup and the National Crime Syndicate don't stop there. Another prominent member of the megagroup with ties to the same criminal network is Max Fisher, who has been described as Wexner's mentor and is also alleged to have worked with the Detroit's Purple Gang during Prohibition and beyond. The Purple Gang were part of the network that smuggled Bronfman liquor from Canada into the United States during Prohibition, and one of its founders, Abe Bernstein, was a close associate of both Mayor Lansky and Mo Dalitz. Fisher was a key advisor to several U.S. presidents, beginning with Dwight D. Eisenhower as well as to Henry Kissinger. In addition to Fisher, megagroup member Ronald Lauder, was connected to Roy Kahn and Tom Bolin, both of whom were closely associated with the same Lansky-led crime network who regularly represented top mafia figures in court. Furthermore, another member of the megagroup director, Steven Spielberg, is a well-known protege of Lou Wasserman. The mob-connected media mogul and longtime backer of Ronald Reagan's film and later political career. One surprise connection to Khan involves megagroup member and former president of U.S. weapons firm General Dynamics, Lester Crown, whose brother-in-law is David Shine. Khan's confidant and, get this, alleged lover during the McCarthy hearings whose relationship with Khan helped bring about the downfall of McCarthyism. Another member of the mega group worth noting is Lawrence Tisch, who owned CBS News for several years and founded Lowe's Corporation. Tisch is notable for his work for the Office of Strategic Services, known as the OSS, the precursor to the CIA, where Donald Barr, who hired Epstein at the Dalton School, also served and which forged ties with Lansky's criminal empire during World War II. In 1985, Columbus, Ohio lawyer Arthur Shapiro was murdered in broad daylight at point-blank range in what was largely referred to as a mob-style murder. The homicide still remains unsolved, likely due to the fact that then-Columbus Police Chief James Jackson ordered the destruction of key documents of his department's investigation into the murder. Jackson's ordering of the document's destruction came to light years later in 1996 when he was under investigation for corruption. According to the Columbus Dispatch, Jackson justified the destruction of one viable and valuable report because he felt that it was so filled with wild speculation about prominent business leaders that it was potentially libelous.
The nature of this wild speculation was that millionaire businessmen in Columbus and Youngstown were linked to the mob-style murder. Though Jackson's efforts were meant to keep this libelous report far from the public view, it was eventually obtained by Bob Fitrakis, attorney, journalist, and executive director of the Columbus Institute for Contemporary Journalism, after he was accidentally sent a copy of the report in 1998 as part of a public records request. The report, titled Shapiro Homicide Investigation, Analysis, and Hypothesis, names Leslie Wexner as linked with associates reputed to be organized crime figures and also lists the names of businessman Jack Kessler, former Columbus City Council President, and Wexner associate Jerry Hammond, and former Columbus City Council member Les Wright as also being involved in Shapiro's murder. It seems to me that it certainly is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. <laughs>